What's up, everyone? Brett Apple here from DailyFanMMA.com, back with another UFC Quick Picks here on the Mayo Media Network. We have UFC Fight Night, Rosenstruck versus Sakai on Saturday. As always, going to give you my favorite cash game play, tournament play, salary play, and my fade of the week. I want to give a shout out to my guy, AJ, who stepped in for me uh, two weeks ago now, and thanks to Pat for having him on the channel. Um, there's just so much great content, guys, coming out throughout the week here on the channel. Make sure you're subscribed, as always, and like the video. Paul Shaughnessy, Cody Saftik, they're back this week as well with the Dogger Pass podcast. I know Mad Lab's got his MMA main event breakdown as well. Um, it's good to be back, and we have a lot more MMA action to come. So I'm going to give you my favorite cash game play, tournament play, salary play, and my fade of the week, starting with my cash game play, uh, Manon Fiorot at 8.5K. All right, for my cash game play this week, uh, I think you guys know the drill. I'm looking at the best plays on the slate. I think it's very important as an exercise to to figure out and target who the best plays are each and every week in cash games. If you don't like them and you want to differentiate yourself, you have the perfect opportunity to do so in tournaments. But in cash games, um, I'm looking for the best plays across the board, and that starts with Fioro on this slate, who is minus 500 against newcomer Tabitha Ricci. Fioro was originally supposed to take on Marina Moroz, and she was like minus 160 or so, but Moroz pulled out. The UFC called upon Ricci on only a couple days' notice, and now Fioro is minus 500. So she is the heaviest favorite on the entire slate, uh, bar none, and it's not particularly close. So if DraftKings was to re- order this slate. They were to put out pricing right now. Fiora would be the most expensive fighter at 9.5K. So she's about $1,000 too cheap. And even though her inside distance line isn't out yet, the fight as a whole to end inside the distance is minus 195. So I, I would project Fiora to have a, a relatively strong inside distance line, at least comparative to other fighters on this slate. She's an immense value. That's the bottom line. Um, there are risks with Fioro. She's not an elite prospect. I know some were looking to actually fade her in that spot against Moreau. She's only 6-1 professionally. But she's, you know, she's shown competency on the mat, on the regional scene. She looked pretty dang good in her UFC debut against Victoria Leonardo. She landed 53 significant strikes and won by knockout in the second round. And she's fighting an opponent here who's a training partner of Mackenzie Dern a judo black belt, a BJJ black belt, a fighter who wants to get this on the ground. And sure, that's going to be Ricci's path to victory. If Fioro can defend takedowns, keep the fight upright, she should have a significant advantage, both just in terms of technical ability on the feet, uh, range tools, power, effectiveness. I, I do actually wonder if this is a good spot for us to be underweight in tournaments though because as a massive value Fioro is going to be one of the most popular fighters on this entire slate and I don't know if she ends up on the optimal lineup in a decision I mean I'm not expecting her to wrestle much even if she lands 100 significant strikes that's not going to blow us out of the water I think she needs a knockout and while that's possible it's certainly not an overwhelmingly likely outcome so the way I'm playing this is in cash games Fioro is a lock and load at 8.5K. You can't pass up a minus 500 uh, fighter there. And in small field tournaments, I think she's also you know acceptable. She still rates out as one of the top options overall. But as you start to approach large field tournaments, the bigger contests you enter, the more you can start to consider, hey, 
maybe she's going to be more popular than she's worth and i'll look to pivot to other fighters with knockout upside in this range but for cash games Furo stands 8.5k as my favorite play on the slate all right let's move on to tournaments uh, I'm going to give out Mason Jones at 9.5K. He is the most expensive fighter on the slate. I actually quite like this top tier. There, there's there's several fighters 9K and above who I think make for very strong tournament targets, and I'm not necessarily planting my flag on Jones, but I, he is he is such a fun fighter, and I think he's in a pretty good stylistic matchup here against Alain Patrick who is essentially a wrestling dependent fighter um, wants to drag you to the down drag you to the ground and hold you down Patrick lands 3.48 takedowns per 15 minutes and he might land a couple here that's that's really the only thing he can do he's averaging 1.79 significant strikes landed per minute he, he doesn't really have any other game to go off of I mean in his last you know, four fights in his last five fights he's landed 19 25 28 7 25 strikes he's just he doesn't have any other path to victory besides wrestling and he's looked good against some lower level wrestlers he landed nine takedowns against Hazovich, for example five against stevie ray but when he fights good competition he generally gets smashed and he was knocked out by mirabek tysumov he was knocked out by scott holtzman and he was beaten very easily by Bobby Green, who didn't knock him out, but who took him down for a time. Patrick doesn't even have great defensive wrestling. Mason Jones is a dog. He is going to go to war with pretty much every opponent. His UFC debut, he fought uh, Mike Davis and looked pretty good in that fight. Mike Davis is a very talented opponent. Jones landed 117 significant strikes in that fight and a takedown. I really encourage you to go back and watch that fight if you have not. Um, and Davis did take Mason Jones down three times. However, he was only able to score 50 seconds of control time, which means Jones was able to scramble back up to his feet pretty quickly. Jones, I think, is a black belt in jiu-jitsu, and he has a judo base as well. So um, he's not weak on the ground by any stretch. And on the feet, uh, this, this fight shouldn't be competitive. Jones has way more volume than Patrick, a much more dangerous and effective striker. And I really think he has knockout equity here. Um, when Patrick loses, like I said, he tends to get smashed. He's, in his last three losses, he's given up two knockdowns, two TKOs, and four takedowns. So when Jones wins, if he wins... I think he has a very good chance at a knockout, a knockdown, and if not, I think he can land takedowns as well. So there are many ways for Jones to score. His volume is incredible. Um, he's pretty safe. He's up at minus 300 to win, and his inside distance line is very strong at plus 110. That's one of the best lines on the entire slate. There are better grapplers in this top range, but I really like this matchup for Mason Jones as long as he can keep the fight upright for a, a you know, a period of time i just think he has a tremendous advantage over patrick and i think a knockout is very much in play so at 9.5k jones is one of my favorite fighters on the board and he's going to be my tournament play of the week moving on to my salary play of the week let's go with gregory rodriguez at 7.6k fighting dusko todorovic um, Rodriguez is plus 110 to win against Todorovic, so he's actually a little bit of a value here, which I like, but most importantly, this fight is minus 270 to end inside the distance, and I really think Rodriguez has a good chance to win this fight inside the distance if he wins at all. Just goes Todorovic is a, he was kind of hyped up. 
um, coming off the contender series. And he fought Punahele Soriano in his last fight. And unfortunately, his flaws came to light. That was a result I kind of expected. But Todorovic is very long and, and tall and shows good volume and has a decent ground game. But he, he doesn't have tools that keep him at range. So he tends to rush into the pocket. And against Punahele Soriano... Um, when he rushed into the pocket, he just got cracked over and over again. Soriano dropped him twice in the first round, one by knockout. And Rodriguez isn't necessarily a great talent. He actually lost on the, on the contender series too. He was knocked out in round one. And I think when Rodriguez loses, it's likely to come by knockout again. But Rodriguez is a lot bigger than Soriano was, and I think he's going to have a chance to explode to expose the same sort of flaws in Todorovic's game. Rodriguez is nine and three professionally. He's got heavy hands, and like I said, he's a lot bigger than Soriano was. He's actually six foot three, which is huge for the middleweight division, seventy-five inch reach. So he's going to be bigger than Todorovic, and. The bottom line is Todorovic doesn't have great defense. He's hittable, and he doesn't take shots well. And I think Rodriguez has an opportunity to hurt him and finish him. And furthermore, Rodriguez is apparently like a you know, nogi world champion or something of the like. He's a high-level submission grappler, a good wrestler, and there's a path to victory for him on the mat as well. From a DraftKings perspective, not a lot of that matters. Um... I'm just looking at Rodriguez for his price at 7.6K. I don't need to know exactly how he'll win. I just kind of need to know that if he does win, is he going to produce the points that I want? And I think for that price, he absolutely will. His inside distance line is actually really strong, plus 175. And again, plus 110 to win for 7.6K. When he wins, I expect it to come inside the distance. I think he's got a great shot at the optimal lineup. As a value there, it's a, a very strong fight to target. Um, if Todorovic wins, I think it's going to come by knockout as well. So a, a great fight to target on both sides. But for my salary play, I'm leaning with Rodriguez here. 7.6K salary play of the week. All right, for my fade of the week, I'm going to go on a limb here. And I'm going to give out Sean Woodson at 8.8K. I, I actually like Sean Woodson as a as a prospect. He's coming off a loss to Julian Arosa in which his, his ground game was exposed a little bit. But he is a tall man for 145 pounds. And he has a long reach. And he throws a ton of volume. So I really like that in in just a fighter in general. And I... I I hope he I hope he does well. From a DraftKings perspective, though, I I worry about this particular matchup. A because Woodson is generally limited in his ability to score points. He hasn't landed a takedown yet, and I don't think he's planning on wrestling with Yusuf Salal. Woodson wants to keep range and land a high volume of strikes, and he's not necessarily a power puncher. Um, he did win by flying knee on the contender series, but then he fought Kyle Bochniak in his UFC debut, landed 111 strikes, landed 106 strikes against Julian Arosa. So he, he's a volume guy. Volume doesn't score that well on DraftKings. And just as an example, in that fight against Kyle Bochniak, in which he landed 111 significant strikes and 150 total strikes, he only scored 82 points. At 8.8K, that is not going to be enough. And I don't think he has enough volume to top 90 points 
Um, on that alone, I think he needs a knockdown and a finish, most likely. And Yusuf Zalal is going to be at a disadvantage on the feet. Yusuf Zalal is four inches shorter and has six less inches of reach. He is going to get hit, but he's also not the type of fighter who wants to push a pace, who wants to create exchanges. Zalal is often in slow-paced fights. He only lands 2.45 strikes per minute, and he only absorbs 1.56. So something has to give there. And I just, as much as I think Woodson could win this fight easily maybe by decision, he could land 80 strikes, he could land 100 strikes. Zalal's defense is going to limit Woodson's upside. And the way that Zalal fights is going to limit his upside. Zalal will want to dance around on the outside, limit exchanges, and he'll also want to wrestle. Zalal is going to look to get this fight to the ground. He lands 2.4 takedowns per 15 minutes. There's no guarantee that he will have success, but that's where Woodson is weakest. And anytime Zalal can get a takedown, that's just extra minutes off the clock that Woodson won't have to land his volume. Furthermore, uh, Woodson, although he is a favorite to win at minus 175, he's only plus 255 inside the distance, which is not the, the worst line in the world, but it's certainly no guarantee of a knockout. And I, I would be pretty surprised if he knocked Zalal out. Zalal's tough, and again, limits exchanges. So I, I think Woodson has a relatively high floor. I like him. Um, as a fighter, I just don't think this is the right matchup for him to excel and smash value at 8.8K. Um, there are other other stylistic matchups, other fighters that I would much rather target Woodson against and at a better price. But for 8.8K, I just don't think this is the time that we should be investing in Sean Woodson. So he's going to be my fade of the week. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's UFC Quick Picks. Thanks again for the support. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Brad Appley, double T, double P, dailyfanmma.com for all your DraftKings breakdowns needs. We're actually offering 20% off your first month. Uh, use the promo code PREMIUM20. That'll get you 20% off a month of MMA Premium or the Betting Hub. Um, and yeah, best of luck in your contest this week. Can't wait to keep producing these videos for you. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, like the video, and comment below who your favorite DraftKings play of the week is. Good luck. Stay safe. Talk to you soon. Peace.